APU. American Public University is proud to present Innovations in the Workplace. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Curley. Today, we are going to be chatting about the anti-robot sediment that is occurring. My guest is Dr. Oliver Hedgepath, who is a professor of logistics, supply chain, and reverse logistics courses at American Public University. He has many years of experience writing about, lecturing, and talking about improvements that AI can bring us to education and other areas such as crises, technology innovations, and disasters. Oliver, welcome back, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Wanda. Yeah, this is a good topic, and especially today, even today's newspaper has got several articles about pro and against robots. So I'm looking forward to talking to you and answering the questions you have. Great. You have been following how robots are helping industry and people, especially robots with artificial intelligence. Please give us a little overview of what robots are doing for us today. AI is really becoming a good for many human jobs, okay, human jobs, all right? AI is used for diagnosing diseases. It translates languages very easy. All the AI stuff you have on your computer, you don't know it's AI, but it's translating your language when you want to go from one language to another. It does a lot of customer service. Some of it's kind of behind the scenes. And it's really changing all the time. But it does still raise some reasonable fears that AI will you know, ultimately replace some human workers you know, throughout our economy. But it's not really inevitable, but it's happening. And but really never before have our digital tools been really as responsive as AI has. And you know, AI has radically really changed how work gets done and, and does it. But the technology is still evolving and still AI is continuing to be targeted toward different kinds of efficiencies in the workplace and other activities. It is replacing human jobs, uh, Wanda. Yep. That's a concern for many. Do you see with education and helping employees understand how they can use AI would help them not lose their jobs? Uh, AI is not going to help you understand how to not lose your job. Uh, I've got a headline from a newspaper, and it talks about robots are losing their job. Robots are being fired. <laughs> some of the robots are being fired. Uh, it appears that Walmart had some 17-foot-tall uh, machines that would go pick your products out. You know, you want to order something online, you go order it, and it, you know, go get it and bring it to you. But the customer, the executives, forgot to ask the customer what they wanted. Now, they were calling in, and the robots were there inside the store with your package. So, Wanda, you could go in and Use your credit card and get your stuff out, and but you didn't want to go in. You wanted to stay in your car and have someone bring it out to your car. And so these robots are being fired because the customer's like, I'm not going to go inside and do that. So that's happening. But then, then you get places like Amazon. You know, Amazon has 50 different warehouses or distribution centers, and they're building another one in, in RICO, Richmond, Virginia, right now. They'll have a 1,000 employees, but they're going to have a couple of thousand robots, too. And so there's a lot of investment going on as robots are being fired. There's a lot of things going on like that. It's kind of interesting. There's kind of a pro and con in what's going on. 
And I do think, and, and so it, it is kind of fun to see what's happening. Yeah, it is. So do you see a new generation of Luddites happening today because of robots? And you may want to explain what Luddites is for some of our listeners that may not understand that term. I, I do think that the new generation of Luddites is happening, uh, maybe not as well, not as powerful as it was back when it was in the 19th century. But uh, the Luddites is a, a term that you know, happened during the, you know, the first generation of workers that were really experiencing a loss of their jobs uh, due to automation. We didn't call it artificial intelligence back then. It was just automation, you know, automation like cars had replaced horses in our generation, or not my generation, our grandparents' generation. But Luddites came around about 1800s. It was a textile industry in the United Kingdom, over there in England. And there was a very economic powerhouse. These people were working from their homes. They were weavers making stockings. They had some kind of frames they're making stockings. They had cotton spinners who were creating yarn. But the big job was croppers, C-R-O-O-P-P-E-R-S, croppers. And they were huge men, strong men, who would take these large sheets of woven wool fabric, trimming the surfaces off, the rough surfaces, because you needed that wool to be nice and smooth for clothing. And these workers had a lot of great control over how they worked. They only worked two or three days a week, but they got paid three times more than anybody else doing any other job. So they were really, you know, it's a prestigious job to be a cropper working this business. They were well paid off. And then all of a sudden, the textile machines came in that were going to replace them. They had these big machines, technology, that replaced them. And they got very upset because all of a sudden, these people who are doing a lot of, making a lot of money, lost their jobs. The machines started replacing these. Instead of 100 workers working from home, making a lot of money, they were thrown out of work because in a factory built with machines and wheels and pulleys and things, the looms could be replaced. What the humans were doing on their weaving machines, the machines were doing. And they had machines that would slide up and down the wool and pick off the rough surfaces. You didn't need that man at work of doing that anymore. So he lost his job. And that was one of the first big areas where technology really replaced a human. They had a fight. They tried to burn the factory down. They broke up the machineries. It was a huge outcry because a lot of people in the United Kingdom were working from home doing this work. And it was really a huge setback by this technology. And of course, the owners of the business, they were making a fortune because all of a sudden they're turning out good, smooth wool faster than the humans could. So it makes business sense. Those Luddites, they're still here today, I believe. Uh, I do believe that we're having some of that happening. People will lose their jobs. Cab drivers will lose their jobs. We have 18 wheelers now. Not a lot of them. There's some on the road. Of course, there may be a human sitting behind the wheel just, just in case. I don't know what they're going to be doing sitting there on the road for 12 hours a day while the thing drives from California to New York or something. But you can see things happening. There are people who are going to be losing their jobs. Routine tasks. Routine task. If you have to pick up something, put it together. Amazon knows about this, and that's why Amazon has thousands of robots in their stores picking up products and moving around. They still hire humans. Another human has to pick up a box and put it in another box. You can see these jobs going away, and people will be upset. I do believe there's a thing of Luddites happening, but will they fight it? 
I don't think they really fight it, you know, like they did back in the 1900s. Okay. So going back to that, I read several articles, and one of them suggested that the anti-robot sentiment is not really against the robot. It is against the AI development and its control. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's the AI, or is it just the robot in general? (laughs) Well, you know, in Austin, Texas... I remember reading somewhere there was some the whole group uh, saying, "I say robot, you say no bot," you know, and they were they were having these signs like "Stop the robots outside." The AI is really no more than just another different level of technology. We go back to like I said, we used to have a country here where it was you had horses and mules moving products slowly, horse-drawn carts. Then you had automobiles came eventually decades later and trucks, and you could bring in a lot of products. We didn't have a lot of trains in one day. Trains are a technology. And then airplanes came along 100 years ago, and look what we're moving in cargo. Look at the ships. Cargo used to be moved by hand, bags of potatoes and grain, and now robots do it, and they're in containers and ships full of thousands of containers all being run by machines. Maybe we won't call it AI, but it is machine technology. AI is, I think, becoming kind of a generic term for different kinds of technology. It's still machine technology, but the key thing I, I, I think about AI is that it's replacing what you and I are doing right now. Thinking, making a decision, asking a question, and getting an answer. A loom that makes wool won't give you an answer. But if you, Wanda, want to play chess, you can turn on your computer and play the computer. You can get a chess board that's never played chess before, and the AI software will learn as you beat it. It knows the rules of movement, and you'll beat the heck out of it for a couple of rounds. But after a couple of rounds, you won't beat that chess game. The chessboard will beat you. So this thinking, this critical thinking aspect is part of what AI is changing in our landscape. It's more than just picking a box out of a, a cupboard and, and moving it down the warehouse or moving it to the front of your grocery store for you to pick up and go home. So I read another article, and it reported that people are throwing eggs at the Google self-driving vehicles. And in fact... And one of them, the window was rolled down and somebody threw an ice cream cone at the uh, driver that was behind it. So do you see employees sabotaging robots in the future? I do. I actually do. I remember reading an article also about United Kingdom workers. It seems a lot of activities coming from United Kingdom where they are actually sabotaging and assaulting the workplace robots. They are assaulting them in an attempt to stop them from taking over their jobs. You know, they're, they're doing that. It's not just, you know, science fiction. You know, AI is not necessarily going to overthrow human race overnight, but it could overthrow you and your job overnight. And there was one article I read somewhere about some manual workers, people who did things by manual. They're trying in different ways to stop the robots, okay, trying to do something. They were doing something that would confuse the robot. There was one case, I think I remember reading about, I call it robot abuse, okay? Sabotaging, assaulting, but robot abuse. That's, that's a neat term you know, that was published somewhere in the United States paper. But there were some security robots that were running around a company, and 
they found a couple of their security robots drowned. Okay. They were drowned. It was in oh, it was Washington, D.C. Yes, sir, I remember. There was an office block fountain, those big fountains people have. And somehow the robots wound up inside the fountain, drowned. Okay. Now, the company that owned it, they said, oh, the robot slipped. But when you look at the height of the fountain, well, that robot didn't slip over a two-foot concrete wall. Okay, somebody picked it up and dropped it inside. There, There's another one, I think, uh, San Francisco. Uh, they had some delivery robots. People were, st <laughs> people were stealing the robots. And, uh, and I, I think uh, there was one place, grocery store type place, Scotland, I think, the robot in the grocery store kept sounding an alarm when people wanted pork, pork samples. They, want, they were looking at pork samples, and they pick up the pork samples, and they're like, hey, you can't do that. Ah, stop. And it's like a thief or something. For some reason, it got misdirected that if you pick up to buy this, you're a thief or something. And I imagine we'll see a whole bunch of robots that will be stolen or abused. And, well, you know, college kids might do some pranks on some of them or high school. I mean, if you're living at home and it's summer and you see a robot coming down the sidewalk delivering a package to somebody, oh, golly gee. You know, I, I can't see an adult doing it because they're going to lose their job. The post office person may not do it because the mail has been delivered by a robot, but I can see a teenager saying, hey, let's see, let's have some fun with this guy. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. I can see that as well. Today we are speaking with Dr. Oliver Hedgepath about the new sentiment against robots. And we will be right back. At American Public University, we believe higher education is not one size fits all. That's why we offer 200 modern programs that build on your knowledge and fit your schedule. Because we believe universities should adapt to the needs of students, not the other way around. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. We are back with Dr. Oliver Hedgepath talking about the anti-robot sentiment that might be going around all over the world as robots become more a part of our life. So let's continue the conversation. Oliver, uh, does academia play a role in educating employees and future generations to understand the power of robots and AI-enabled robots? Oh, now that's a good question. Well, especially being a, a college professor here, but artificial intelligence really, well, besides it, it's, it is, while it's rapidly transforming and improving the ways that industry is doing things like healthcare and banking and energy and retail operations, the one place that I think it's really got the best application and it's doing it is education. There are many education opportunities and, and challenges with the introduction of AI in education. There are things you have to worry about. And there's things like artificial intelligence, e-learning, learning machines, Internet of Things, technology can replace a teacher, too. I see on my web all the time, every day, I'm getting information on email from MIT and other places and other universities, not just MIT, that we're offering an artificial intelligence course for a week on how to do your job better or how to do this research with AI. Or there's actually college degrees you can get in AI machine learning on how the machines will improve the future, improve your current future. So 
AI is becoming very important as a topic. And also, we are seeing professors look at their courses they're teaching. If they're teaching a course in retail management or something else, they're now adding, how can AI help teach this student what to do in their job? Because now you go to a company, you need to use AI. Even going to DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, to get your license, the worker there uses AI to process data on you and understand what's going on and help fill out forms. So AI is being used a lot. And so we need to educate people not only for a certificate to do your job, but a college degree to understand where it's coming from. So you know, I see education is really an interesting not dilemma, it's an interesting area of exploring. I can see maybe as technology progresses, there might be holograms as well. And instead of a robot, it's a hologram that actually can come out and, and talk to the student outside. But does it seem that this anti-robot backlash is due to fear of the unknown, such as AI making the wrong decision or robot doing something against humans? Ah, the answer is yes, and the answer is no, okay? Because we know AI does make <laughs> wrong decisions sometimes. Well, when does it matter if you make a wrong decision? If I've gone into an AI restaurant and I order a hot dog with mustard, onion, chili, and I get my hot dog and it comes out and I didn't put mustard on it. Oh, golly gee, I didn't understand what I said. Uh, what then? Okay, well, yeah, that's not so bad. All right, I'm, okay, I can eat it. But if I'm a surgeon and I ask my AI system to make an incision in the intestines for only one inch or whatever it is, and you know, and this deep, and then it would sew this up while I'm doing something else, you know, you you want it to be accurate. So I could see where there'd be certain areas where people would be concerned with it. I wouldn't be concerned about the restaurant giving me a hot dog with no mustard. But as a surgeon, I'd be really interested in an AI system that could help me in some things and be very cautious. I can see a lot of people who are not educated in how the AI systems are changing. We have a different age group here. People live to 100 years of age. We might see that seniors, whatever a senior is, let's say 65 and older, people 65 and older, or maybe 70 or 80, might be very suspicious of technology and AI. Whereas people in their 20s and 30s would welcome it. It's like, wow, give me more. I mean, I've got a great grandson. I'm one of the seniors. I got a great grandson who was basically in the crib, had an iPhone with him. He had this little device that you push it, just touch it, and it has little pictures on it and the little cartoony things and little sounds. And he's like, ooh, I he has fun. Instead of a bottle and a, and a rattle, he's got a little iPhone type of thing, a little computer to play with. So, it's going to be amazing to see how this person is raised, like my children were raised, with computer technology. So I think there's going to be an age difference. There could be a cultural difference, too. We may find that people in Finland may approach the use of AI and the impact of AI on their business and their world differently than Americans. If you've been to Finland, people are different and approach technology a little differently, maybe, than we do here in America, a little more open or not as open. It'd be interesting, or in Africa, or in Russia, or Mexico. It'd be interesting to see. So I think these questions are really good, and I think we'll have the answer yes and no. <laughs> it depends on where you are and how old you are or the group you're looking at. It could be different groups of people. Talk to football players. 
versus K to 12 school teachers, you know, versus people who work in Walmart grocery store as baggers or the managers of a Walmart store. It depends on the category of persons and what their job is and how the technology is helping them or maybe hurting them. Interesting. In your opinion, how do we help employees? And when I, I use the kind of royal we of academics and managers and supervisors and senior leadership, how do we help employees and others that deal with robots to understand that robots and the AI-enabled robots are an adjunct to let the individual do more value-add tasks? Boy, that's a tough question. Well, thank you very much for a tough question there. Well, you look at, again, employees are a piece of data. All right, look at the data on it. The employees are different ages. If you're a teenager, if you're 20 or 30, if you're educated, if you have a college degree or a high school degree, the type of job you get might be different. If I'm hired to be in an office somewhere as an employee managing a bunch of data behind a computer screen, I may not worry too much about AI helping me analyze the data, but if I'm working in a retail store and I see a robot, I'm collecting the orders. I talk to somebody on the phone and they say, I want to buy these 10 things. And I punch a button and those 10 things go to an automated system. And I say, thank you very much for your order. And then a robot does all the work and comes up when the person's ready and, and it's there. I'm being assisted by that robot. I, I just still think that it's going to be difficult to convince everybody from, say, 18 years old to whatever the working age is, 75, 85 years old, 95 years old. I think there'll be an age characterization and uh, that will help impact what people will accept. I do believe that's a good question, and I don't believe there's a simple answer. I do believe you have to, look, again, go back to the categorization of the people in terms of age, uh, education, Maybe locality. I mean, I'm a Southerner. I'm from North Carolina. And I've met people from Florida and South Carolina and New York and New England and Canada and Alaska and uh, Midwest and Kansas. I work in Kansas. North Dakota. I'm dealing with people from North Dakota right now on another project. And I mean, people have never left North Dakota since the 1800s when they got there. And they have a different view toward technology. They like their handheld farm equipment, okay? They know how to do things by hand, and they don't need no silly machine to tell them how to do something. They still grind their meat by a meat grinder by hand. Uh, it is an interesting question, and I think it's one we need to just keep thinking about, and I think you need to ask it by the group that you're dealing with, you know, a group of people you're dealing with, okay? That makes a lot of sense. So as the younger generations mature, I have millennials and I have Gen Xers as kids. And of course, I have uh, young grandchildren that are four or five years old. But And when they enter the workforce, do you eventually see the anti-robot sentiment waning? I do, because I think the anti-robot sentiment will retire with us humans who reach an age of retirement. I do believe once you worked your 30 years, and you're getting ready to leave the newspaper business or the retail grocery business, I believe as you age out, the anti-robot sentiment will wane. It will go away. There may be a few diehards, but I cannot imagine it with the new generation. I do believe 
that uh, it will go away. And the reason I say this is because I'm old enough to remember the age of the cell phone. And I remember when the cell phone came in during the age of my children, and they were raised with a cell phone in their hands. And so it's common practice. And the cell phone, since I, I worked in the computer industry from early age, when the computer was really just a little number cruncher, it was, more, it was just an adding machine that was digital, okay? And that's all our computer was. It just added, added numbers. And nobody thought it would do any more than just add numbers, a lot of them, more than the humans could. And look what's happened there. But I do believe as you get more used to the technology, AI and robots today, that it would be so commonplace that no one will think, what was it like before the iPhone? These 20 and 30 years old have no idea what it was like before the iPhone. I remember when the telephone in my house was a phone for everybody in the neighborhood. When it rang, mm -hmm. it rang with a one time or two times or something, you pick it up. Or if you wanted to use the phone to call somebody, you pick it up. Oh, that's Aunt Mabel talking with Bobby across the street, and you hang up. And a half hour later, you pick it up, and oh, God, she's still talking, and you hang up. <laughs> and then you pick it up later, it's like nobody's talking. Hurry up and dial. I got to dial my aunt over in Goldsboro. Okay. And I dial, and, and then I hear the phone pick up, and someone else is listening to me talking to my aunt. And that's the way phones used to be. And you didn't use the phones all the time. But the technology changed. I do believe the technology of AI and robots is in the same way of technology. Now, how much time will it take? It takes, I think, a generation. I think it'll take like 20 or 30 years, which I think is already there because the workers in the workplace in their 30s and 40s are so used to robots and AIs. I don't see the combat against it from those who are, say, 35 and younger. That's Oliver's opinion. 35 and younger, I think they'll accept it all. But 35 and older, they're the ones who are like, I'm losing my job. You know, I'm going to retire in five years. I don't want to be replaced by this machine. I need my retirement check in five years. So no, no, I'm going to break the darn thing. I think there's a age factor there. So Oliver, thank you very much for joining me today. It's a very exciting topic to me on anti-robot backlash. Do you have any last words you would like to leave to our listeners? Well, I'd like to have the listeners continue to reading uh, what's going on in the world today in the newspaper. Like I said, you know, even in today's newspaper, I read that you know at Walmart, the robots are being fired. But then again, I turn a page in another section, and I see there's one company investing $30 billion, this would be billion dollars and robots that are going to help people do their job better. Oh, and one factor that is improving or increasing robots, COVID-19. This is the year 2021. COVID-19 just killed in the last year and this year over 500,000 people. People have lost their jobs. People are not going to work. And so robots have replaced a lot of this human effort because the owners of those companies need to still make money. And a robot or an AI system if it can replace a worker, then they're going to do it. Temporarily, they said, but what I'm seeing so far is it's not temporarily. The company's making money 24-7. That robot doesn't need health insurance, doesn't need time off for a holiday. All it needs is some oil and grease or something, you know, it, digital oil and grease. That's all it needs. 
So I do see things happening there. And it's going to be fun to see the anti-robot and the acceptance working side by side. And that, that's the exciting thing. So read the newspaper every day. You'll find for and against. Thank you very much for this session, by the way. I really enjoyed talking about this. Thank you, Oliver, again, and to our listeners for joining us. We have some exciting podcasts coming up in the area of artificial intelligence. So stay tuned and stay well. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU. American Public University.